Hey guys, uh, where's Rachel? Oh, oh really? Okay. Oh, okay, sure, no worries. Um, all right, no, uh, no Rachel. That's fine. Uh, alone this episode. Uh, <laughs> ah, uh, always alone. Hate being alone. Right, here goes nothing. Uh, let's go. ESPN head in the game. Yes, this is Head in the Game, your up-close-and-personal podcast focusing on one of the week's major sporting events. I'm Jamie Lang, and this week, very exciting, we have a two-for-one bat-and-ball double whammy for you as we mark the start of both Cricket's Indian Premier League and the Major League Baseball season. Now, I'm flying solo this week, as my usual co-host Rachel Stringer is away. However, fear not, because I'm going to be joined by no less than five guests, so actually, come to think of it, there would be no room for Rachel anyway. So there. Okay, uh, let's start with the IPL. And before we say hello to a man who knows a lot more about cricket than me, and quite possibly more than anyone else in this country, let's get a brief rundown to the IPL in 60 seconds. The IPL is the world's most famous 2020 tournament. That's the shortest form of cricket, when each side bats for just 20 overs and scores as many runs as possible. It started in 2008 with the Rajasthan Royals beating the Chennai Super Kings in the final. But the Super Kings have since won it three times, a total equaled only by the Mumbai Indians. Each year, eight teams bid for the world's best players in an auction. The money goes to the players themselves. Which explains the smile on Virat Kohli's face. Last year, he became the IPL's most expensive player ever, costing the Royal Challengers Bangalore a cool 2.7 million US dollars. In 2010, the IPL became the first ever sporting event broadcast live on YouTube. Cricket fans used to call quick forms of the game like T20 hit and giggle, but these days it's hit and count the moolah. The Chennai Super Kings, for instance, have a brand value of $65 million. Look out for the fielder wearing an orange cap. He's the batsman who scored the most runs so far in this year's tournament. The purple cap denotes a bowler with the most wickets, while a backward baseball cap means a spectator going through a midlife crisis. So a potted history of the IPL there. Now time to dig a little deeper with Crick Info UK editor Andrew Miller. Now, Andrew, I looked up IPL on Google, okay, and instead of cricket, I got an acronym for intense pulsed light, which is used for hair removal treatment. It's got nothing to do with that, does it? No, although there's a, there's a fair amount of intense pulsed light when, when the fireworks start going off. It's, uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit bit rowdy out of some, some of those stadiums. Have you ever had intense pulsed light, which is used for hair removal treatment? To judge by my grizzled beard, um, not so much. I don't, know what, I don't know what's down below, buddy. I don't know what's down below, so I'm just, I'm just guessing. Now, wait, tell me this. So the Indian Premier League, it has only been going for about 10 years, but it's huge, isn't it? It's massive. It's um, it, it's really taken off. I think I suppose it's mirrored the the growth of India as an economy as well. Yeah. It's it's really sort of uh, risen the the that that wave of of capitalism, I guess, that has really taken hold. And you know, it started from a a seed of an idea, but that seed was ready to be planted, ready to be germinated because there were so many passionate fans who were just desperate to have their own tournament to get excited about. I suppose. I suppose the one thing about cricket, traditionally, it's uh, kind of unique in that uh, it's always been this top-down. It's always been the countries has been the, the driving force of, of the sport, and there's very been next to no club game. And finally, there is a, a club form that uh, you know started from nothing. But uh, this is something that India was ready for, and frankly, the world was ready for. Yeah, but are you surprised how big it's gone so quickly, and why is it so popular? 
I'm not surprised. I think it was ripe for explosion, to be honest, because it actually started in England in 2003. It was basically started on, on a spreadsheet. Some marketing dude thought, how can we make cricket more interesting, more popular to get kids involved? It's a bit like what the ECB are doing at the moment uh, with their hundreds tournaments. And they came up with this idea, let's just make it shorter. And everyone was a little bit sniffy about it, weren't sure whether it would work. But that first season in county cricket in England was a revelation. There was excitement on the boundary's edge. The kids were excited because they weren't bored witless by having to watch it for five days long, uh, which obviously I love, but not everyone enjoys that first up and India went and won the World T20 which is the, the first sort of global tournament in 2007 they won it in a tremendous grandstand finish against Pakistan of all the teams to really ignite the fuse and it went from there the, the, the first IPL was formed within months literally months which you could only do in India I mean you're setting up a, a multi-million dollar tournament and it was literally written on the back of an envelope just and they just thought yeah we'll just do it and that was 2008 the following year they had elections in India. They had to find somewhere else to host it at the last minute. So they went to South Africa. Do you mind hosting our tournament? No, sure. And it was a great successor there. It, it's just it's just this perfectly formed transitory tournament. It's exactly how the players do it as well. I mean, every ball matters in a way that in Test cricket you could have a, a few overs of tedium, I guess. I, I love the tedium that comes with Test cricket, to be honest. I love the, the, the chance to sort of stop and think and switch off for a bit during a match. You can't afford to do that in an IPL game, in, in any T20 game, because it's it's over. The game will change in a split second if you lose your concentration. Yeah, because I've been to a cricket match. Okay? I've sat there. I've, I haven't done the full five days. I've drunk a lot of pims and just hung out. IPL, I've never been to. Explain the atmosphere. What's it like? You're sitting there, you're in your seat, you're ready to go. Are there fireworks, cheerleaders, everything like that? It's a wall of noise. I mean, they talk of the Indian word tamasha. It basically means jamboree carnival, call it what you like. It's just an absolute sensory overload. It's the heat as well. This is such hot, humid nights as well. And the floodlights, fireworks everywhere. Everybody shouting at everything. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter what happens. There will be cheers for this, that and the other. Cheerleaders, all the other things that you know, it might be, might be taken for granted in other sports, but this was kind of new to cricket. It had always been a little bit staid, little, you know, as you mentioned, your pims and, and polite clapping on the boundary's edge. This was a, this was a whole new ball game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it has to be seen to be believed. I've not been to many games, but the ones I've been to have been, um, mind blowing. Can you imagine a place where Test cricket actually plays second fiddle to 2020? I think we're already there. I'm not comfortable with it. I'm resigned. Well, resigned is probably the wrong word because I think 2020 cricket is a magnificent sport in its own right. Everyone hoped, certainly the traditional fans, hoped it would be sort of a gateway drug to test cricket. I think that's certainly the way they'd like to see it working and that I still believe that the absolute purest, best form of cricket is test cricket, but sometimes test cricket is really boring. But every now and again, test cricket is just better than any other sport, let alone cricket. I know what you mean. You know, you go to the pub, you have that beer, but sometimes you want that tequila shot. Yeah, precisely that. That's basically what it is. But if it? you just have nothing but tequila shots, you just fall over <laughs> and um, you're a bit incoherent. So, so you've got to go back to those shandies. Exactly. You know, just take, chill out. Just just have your picnic, unwind, let, let it flow for a bit. But yeah, I think we are there. It's, and again, it's economics that's driving it. There is not the same money to be made out of test cricket. And therefore, test cricket is being squeezed by the growth of 2020 cricket, not just the IPL, but other franchises all over the world. OK, well, then talk to me about viewing figures. How do they compare to other sports and cricket? Are they big? They are big. I mean, I can't give you precise comparisons, but what I can say is that the last round of uh, rights, they sold for $2.5 billion, a fivefold increase on the last round of rights. Yikes. And bear in mind, this is for 60 games a season. If you think of the Premier League, I think it's about 380. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many a, a baseball season would be, but obviously about 160 games 
per team, let alone let alone an entire season. So, you know, this is just 60 games. So price per game is up there with the most expensive forms of sport. But why is that? Is it because India's population is massive or because it's a growing kind of community? What is it? I think it's a bit of both. I think there's obviously 1.3 billion people in India, a huge number of them. Obviously, it's, a, it's an exaggeration to say they're all massive Indian fans, although I think a significant portion, certainly the middle class, are growing in, in interest and, and really want this as a product in a way that you can't say that about football or cricket in this country lots of people are fans it brings in bollywood as well it brings in all the all the celebrity all the other aspects the glossy magazines all the things that india i guess has not had traditionally but now as part of this explosion the economic explosion that's happening over there there are all sorts of reasons why they want to get involved in something that's that's theirs these are the reasons why it's why it grows it's not just about the cricket yeah, it's interesting you say that because I, uh, Sachin Tendulkar, who's one of the greatest cricket players ever, Indian player, he he actually can't couldn't live in India anymore because the fandom was just too much for him, wasn't it? That's how popular these players are. It's so true. He spends most of his time down at Lords. I, I see him occasionally when I go to Nets, go have a net, and at seven o'clock in the evening, and there's Sachin Tendulkar on the bowling machine, just just chilling out. And the India players, they love coming on tours of England because they can walk the streets, and yeah, yeah. people will might double take occasionally, but no one's going to stop Virat Kohli in the street and say, "My God, you're Virat Kohli," in the way that yeah, they can't leave. The house and tell us about the season okay what teams should we look out for well i reckon there are four in particular who okay. are the probably the big four obviously only eight teams total but sunrisers hyderabad are the are the favorites at the moment and i think they're probably the ones to to really watch um they've got david warner returning from suspension now that's a, obviously a fascinating story it's australian australian cricketer captain who uh was messing around with the ball he 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 graveled it what is it, what is it <laughs> well he was he was the he was the power behind the throne he got his junior junior teammate to sandpaper it um so yes he was caught scratching his balls during a test match as you do um anyway huge ferrari banned for a year along with his teammate um steve smith who's, who's also returning for rajasthan royals but the one thing i guess about sunrisers is they've got this combination of hugely explosive batsmen in david warner and johnny bairstow england's uh, opening batsman yeah, yeah, he's yeah. going out there and some great bowlers two in particular uh, rashid khan um afghan leg spinner who is unplayable at his best and bhuvneshwar kumar who's one of india's best so they've got really strong batsmen incredibly good bowlers and frankly bowlers are more important than batsmen even though it doesn't look like it at times because you know pretty much anyone can hit a six in this day and age but not many people can bowl the ball that can't be hit for six so, so i'm gonna put it out there i was a leg spinner at school and i used to bowl people around their around their legs <laughs> they used to call me shane warne walking around the corridors well i mean you've got the, got the right hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, a hair transplant, is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> but tell me, what's an average a player can earn within the league? I don't know about the average, but certainly the top level, you're looking at about $2 million, I would say, for per season, which isn't isn't huge by football standards or, or NFL or what have you, but it's also the endorsements. ESPN did its fame list recently, and um, Coley, who obviously I've mentioned already, he was seventh in the fame list, sandwiched by Roger Federer above him and Rafa Nadal below him. So we're talking that level of global renown for a sport that frankly isn't known by half the globe so you know the the opportunity there is enormous if these guys can break out beyond the traditional confines of cricket and go global but it's interesting because it's done by auction how does the auction work the auction is grotesque to be honest it's potentially humiliating it's absolutely captivating i mean give an example joe roots england's star player probably one of the best batsmen england have ever produced in history uh, he put himself forward for the ipl a couple of seasons ago didn't get picked up so there he was right anyone wants a bit for joe root really good batsman joe root everyone sat in their hands it's like thanks for coming mate uh, and then obviously you get extraordinary stories sam curran the um england bowler i mean he's an all-rounder technically but uh, he's a young 20 year old bowler who's made a very impressive 
impressive start in test cricket, hardly ever played T20, gets picked up for nearly a million dollars on the strength of a season against, uh, playing against India in test cricket. So he's completely unproven, but overnight he becomes a millionaire just from someone raising their paddle at the right moment. And they're just sitting at home waiting for them to be bid. Yeah, right? literally. I mean, you know, uh, Harry Gurney, another guy, I think he was he was uh, someone, may not, may not have been Harry Gurney, but one, one of the guys was in Ikea shopping. And, and you know, these, thing, these things happen. Well, having a meatball, he's yeah. suddenly worth $2 million. Yeah, exactly. You know, and this, of course, as I, this, this auction happens at strange times time zones for English English players might start sort of before dawn so you never know what's going to happen suddenly your phone goes mental and you're, you're a millionaire it's a bit mental but speaking of English players what uh, British players do we have in the IPL the one team to look at from that regard is Rajasthan Royals seem to be setting themselves up the England team of the IPL because they've, they've got uh, Ben Stokes uh, star player for England um, Joss Butler who actually has the IPL to thank for igniting his test career because he got recalled to test cricket on the strength of an extraordinary run of form for Rajasthan Royals last season. Um, Liam Livingston, a young player for um, Lancashire, he's been picked up as well. And then there's Jofra Archer, who um, has had to do with qualification because he was born in Barbados. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he will be eligible to play for England in the World Cup. And so if he puts in a good uh, showing in the IPL, he would really push himself up the ranks. And he's he's a seriously good player. Of course, this year we have the Cricket World Cup. Does that mean that some players from the IPL can't play because they have to play for their country or likewise the other way around? Absolutely. I mean, there's uh, England's players, I think, have got to be, certainly the World Cup players, I think, are being recalled from the IPL by the end of April, say. So they get, they've got their um, pre-World Cup international games in May. Those guys will go home. But th- this has been a long-running battle, certainly between England and the IPL. England and the ECB were particularly opposed to the IPL impinging on the season because obviously the one disadvantage that England has compared to the rest of the world is this is the only country in the world that mm. does traditionally play in April, May. And so the IPL is this sort of cuckoo in the nest, sort of sitting in the start of English season, pushing everyone out. And so there was a huge standoff traditionally for the first decade, really, of, of the IPL's existence. Uh, Kevin Peterson, uh, one of uh, England's core celebs when it comes to the IPL, he basically put his career on the line saying, I want to have both. I want my cake and to eat it. Mm. He wanted to get the riches of the IPL, also to play for England. In the end, he was forced to choose. But now, increasingly, uh, the ECB have, have realised that there's actually more to it than money for these guys. Talk about Joss Butler. Some of the shots he plays, some of the experience he's got playing in, a, in an atmosphere where every ball matters, where every night is an event. The lessons you're going to learn from performing under that sort of pressure with full stadiums and people bearing down you all the time. I mean, if he goes to the World Cup final, which as well he might this summer, the IPL could be the difference between England succeeding and failing, simply because they'll have been in that sort of atmosphere before. You said it here first, Andrew. Now, Andrew, can you stay with us? How would you like to be a part of the legendary Head in the Game quiz? I would love to. Bring it on. Okay, I'm not going to promise any cash prizes, but uh, I can promise that I will beat you in the quiz. Well, you cleaned me out on the poker table all those years ago, so... (laughs) Well, actually, Beppe from EastEnders cleaned me out. You just came in and did the rest. (laughs) Andrew, thank you so much. Stay with us right here. Now let's switch from bat to ball and celebrate the start of the new Major League Baseball season. But before we speak to our guest, let's hear the history of baseball in 60 seconds. According to legend, baseball was invented by Abner Doubleday in 1839. Doubleday then went on to become a Civil War hero, while baseball became America's beloved national pastime. Not only is that story untrue, it's not even in the ballpark. Doubleday was still at West Point in 1839 and never claimed to have anything to do with baseball. As it turns out, the real history of baseball is a little more complicated. References to games resembling baseball in the USA date back to the 18th century. Its most direct ancestors 
this appear to be two English games. Rounders, a children's game brought to New England by the earliest colonists, and cricket. Baseball is played everywhere. A diamond shape can be forged from a field. The ultimate dream for many aspiring players is Major League Baseball. MLB consists of two leagues, the American and the National. Each league has 15 teams and three divisions. The New York Yankees are the most successful baseball team in history, with 27 World Series titles. At the stadium, the best seat in the house depends on personal preferences. For example, if you want to see the chess game between the pitcher and hitter while also taking in the entire field, choose a seat directly behind home plate. NBL players earn big salaries. In 2018, LA Angels' Mike Trout topped the lot, taking home $34 million. The MLB in just 60 seconds there. So I'm now joined on the line by the co-host of ESPN's new baseball show, Caps Off, Phil Murphy and Mark Donaldson. Hi, guys. Are you there? Hi, Jimmy. How are you? Very, very good. Phil, you there as well? I am. I, I always let Mark lead off. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's a big fellow if you haven't met him, so he's not someone you want to cross. So I'll just let him lead off unless otherwise prompted. You've already worked that out. I like it. Major League Baseball gets underway this week. Firstly, though, tell us about the new show, Caps Off. What's it all about? So the new show, Caps Off, is a weekly baseball show leading up to and through Major League Baseball's first venture, not just into England, but into all of Europe. And uh, we've seen the NFL send some clubs across the pond uh, for regular season games. Major League Baseball's never done it in this direction before, and they're sending the two premier franchises, basically the Manchester United and Liverpool of Major League Baseball, the Red Sox against the Yankees, a two-game set this summer at London Stadium. Mark and I will be there, and we'll have a weekly show leading up to the game. And it's not going to be your conventional baseball show necessarily with a ton of game results and highlights. It's more going to be a baseball conversation, taking you into the ballpark. We're going to visit some stadiums, talk about even the food you enjoy, and really try and get a feel that you're in the ballpark with us uh, week to week and leading up to and through that big two-game series, Red Sox-Yankees in London. We've got the new season, which is coming up. Okay, what are the biggest storylines at the moment? Well, biggest storylines at the moment, uh, can the Red Sox repeat right off the top? They won a franchise record 108 games last year. Uh, Second question, can the Yankees catch them in the division? Last year was the first year that both the Yankees and Red Sox won more than 100 games. They've both poured a lot of investment into the clubs this year. So those are the top two storylines right off the bat. And then the next one, I would say, who could challenge those two teams? You look at an exciting young squad like the Braves, uh, maybe the Astros, who won a World Series two years ago, the Dodgers, who have lost the last two World Series or teams we're looking at. So from a team standpoint, those are the three things I'm looking at. How good are the Red Sox? Can the Yankees catch him? And who else will be in the mix? There are certain NFL teams that will not come to London. Some want to, but they won't give up a home game. So to get the two biggest teams in baseball, I think, is a big statement by the Major League Baseball. Yeah, I can agree more. But also just shows how good the MLB is at the moment, because wasn't it four teams last year won over 100 games? That's never happened before. I believe that's right. That's a, that's a good poll from you. I mean, we had three in the in the American League itself. It was uh, the first time in decades that two 100-win teams had met before the World Series. You have a lot of quality at the top. Now, some people would say, okay, that's minimizing the parity, but... I think when you have your your two pillar franchises at the best, it's great. I mean, imagine if, you know, Manchester United and Liverpool were in a 90 point plus Premier League race. That's what we're getting with Major League Baseball. It's two teams at the top in terms of popularity, and then they're at their best as well. Let's talk about the players. Who are the big ones? Who are the sort of showstoppers? Who are the ones everyone just loves to watch? You've obviously got Mookie Betts and Mike Trout, who... Who didn't win the MVP last year, but he has been winning it in recent years. He plays for the Angels. For spring training, I went to Arizona. Phil went to Florida. So Phil caught up with the likes of Aaron Judge for the Yankees and Mookie Betts 
for the Red Sox. Those are going to be two big stars again this year. And I was lucky enough to catch up with the likes of Mike Trout. So there's a lot of hitting prowess. And of course, Phil, there's a a lot of decent uh, pitchers out there as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, You look at just in the American League, just with the Red Sox and the Yankees, Chris Sale is someone who any given timeout could strike out 10, 12, 13 batters and dominate a game. Uh, The Yankees have a young pitcher named Luis Severino, who is a blast to watch. Blake Snell came out of nowhere last year to win the Cy Young. That's just in the American League. And then in the National League, Jacob deGrom won the Cy Young last year. Cy Young going to the best pitcher in each league. He's someone who, this is basically a contract year for him. He's told the Mets, once the season starts, I don't want to renegotiate my deal. So he could very well be playing for a massive payday at the end of the season. Likewise, Noah Syndergaard for the Mets. And then the Mets division rival, they may have the best pitcher in the National League in Max Scherzer, plus Clayton Kershaw. I mean, it goes on and on. Quality of pitching right now in baseball is really phenomenal. Um, You're seeing guys be much smarter. They'll look at analytics to, to really know how to attack each batter. And then they're also being limited in terms of their innings. So you're getting really fresh guys as it gets as the season gets later on. I mean, these starting pitchers, the season's 162 games. They're going to be starting 33, 34 games, all of these starters. So you're seeing Major League Baseball turn towards longevity, and that's making these best pitchers at their best at the end of the regular season and in the playoffs. These batters, right, the, the guys, the Aaron Judges and people like that of this world, they have to hit a baseball that is moving all over the place and coming at you like 99 miles an hour it's incredible right this is the whole thing Uh, and being at spring training being lucky enough to be up close i spent a bit of time with Corey kluber he wasn't doing a a maximum fastball he wasn't doing mid 90s He, he was doing probably high 80s and he was hitting the same spot every single time just to even make contact for anybody is something special the hand-eye coordination, um, and I'm sure Phil will attest to this as well. I know we're going to be trying to, to hit a baseball for our local team, the Hartford Yard Goats, for one of our features for the show. I'm not looking forward to that. I'm going to be so embarrassed. <laughs> and you spoke about money and how, you know, there's 162 games. It's a huge kind of season for them. What kind of money are these players on? Just this offseason, Manny Machado signed a deal, 10 years, $300 million to go to the Padres. Bryce Harper signed a deal, 13 years, $330 million U.S. to go play for the Phillies. Again, those are the the top guys, but you're seeing, I mean, you break that down to average annual value. We're in the neighborhood of $30 million per year over a decade. That's just salary, isn't it? That's not even sponsorship. That is game checks four cuts at the plate in each game, go stand in the field for a little bit. Once you factor in sponsorships, I mean, these guys, you, you could add another 25, 30% for the guys who not only have big performances and big potential in the game, but big personalities outside of it. Jamie, you and I are, are well used to the football. When a new guy signs for a team, it's kind of, oh, he's got a four-year deal and he's on X per week. I mean, all the football fans out there, I'm not sure they actually just get how much baseball players get paid. I mean, if you were to do a top 100 you probably get 80% of them are baseball players and only 20% are the top earners in football. Put me in front of one of those baseball things with no pads or no helmets. For 300000000 million, I'd do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> if you fail 70% of the time, that means you're a 300 hitter. You're one of the best hitters the game's ever seen. It's a really low success rate. To people listening who don't know much about the Major League Baseball, but would love to get into it, kind of like me and everyone else, sell it to me. What is the game about... Why is it such a great sport? Why should we love it? So this is the whole thing. The reason for this show is not to kind of stand in front of a British audience and go, oh, this guy's been batting 346 this season and he's going to be one of... No, it's going to be fun. We want to have bloopers on the show. They're sending me around America to eat my way through the ballparks. 
of America. It's going to be that type of show. We're going to be hopefully humorous, a lot of self-deprecation. Um, Phil's the expert as far as the baseball is concerned. And the reason for me getting involved, A, they didn't have anybody else. But clearly, <laughs> B, um, they wanted someone who is not an expert at the game, but knows baseball to an extent, nowhere near as much as Phil does. But that's why they've paired us together, because I'm going to try and bring a little bit of humour to it as well. And, and try and be that kind of middleman who can interpret things from a British perspective. In one of the pilots we did for the show, we did Cockney rhyming slang with Phil. And I have to say, if he was a baseball hitter, he was probably, what do you reckon, Phil? You were batting about 900 there? Yeah, I did. I was terrified when uh, you told me about that segment, which you told me about as we were taping it. But I got very fortunate, thanks to a conversation I had with Stuart Robson, longtime English footballer, over the summer about Cockney rhyming slang. So he, he warmed me up to it. But yeah, I think I held my own there. <laughs> and boys, you just you just sold me caps off. I want, I want to know now how you sell me the MLB. Why am I going right. to watch the Major League Baseball? I'll take this one. Um, as someone Give who, it you to know, me, I, Phil. I grew up, I was a goalkeeper. So uh, I'm, I'm a big, you know, I don't want to Americanize it, soccer supporter, a big football supporter. About 2007, 2008, I said, OK, how can I get into European football, which most matches are early in the morning here or even when I was in school they're during the school day for like Champions League matches and things. How do I become invested in it? And I had to pick a team because I couldn't just turn on a match and see uh, Liverpool against AC Milan and really care about the result as a neutral. So I, uh, I started to go through and I said, okay, what team to me is basically like the New York Mets. They were my baseball team. And so trying to convert to become an English football fan, who could I like, who is the little brother to the juggernaut in the crosstown rival? So I went with Manchester city, which in 2008 was a darn good investment. I'm feeling pretty good right now as a decades long city supporter, whatever mechanism you want to do, whether it's okay, which premier league team or, or, you know, English football association, if you're support someone in the championship or league one or below, who do I support? And then what baseball team reflects that either it's, you know, a plucky underdog or, or if you do like a juggernaut, it, it's, you know, no hard feelings at all. Liverpool and the Red Sox have a lot of things in common, including ownership, pick a team. But in terms of telling you on the game, I found there is a lot of overlap between English football and baseball. It's a very social game. It's best experienced with a crowd of either like-minded or the exact opposite-minded people. It's a slow enough game to where you can have conversation and really build drama, but the dramatic moments, the walk-off home runs, the diving catches, unlike anything you see in sport, for me, aside from your significant stoppage time goal you would see whether it's cristiano ronaldo capping a hat trick or sergio aguero saving city in the fa cup those moments are really what make the game worthwhile i would say you know all you have to do is find some like-minded people and start to support the clubs you'll get vested interest and then with that you'll become hooked the one other thing i would say the season it runs from end of march through to obviously our autumn the fall the fall classic is the the world series when the Premier League season, I mean, I'm a Hearts fan up in Scotland. Our season, our season ends usually about September or October because we're rubbish. But the season for football fans usually ends May. Now, this year, there is no World Cup. There is no Euros. There's Euro qualifiers at the start of June. But between that and the start of the Premier League season in August, you're going to be bored. You're going to be annoying the partner in your life. But there's baseball on. And you can pick a team, as Phil said. Pick a favourite player. If you love misery, follow Baltimore Orioles. If you want success, go for something like the Red Sox or the Astros or the Yankees. But you've got two months of which you've actually got something to watch on the television as opposed to being dragged around the shops. I'm sold, boys. You've done it. You've sold me. I'm in. 
One down, a couple million to go. <laughs> Phil Murphy, Mark Donaldson, boys, can't wait for the show. Uh, ESPN's caps off. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Our pleasure. See you later. ESPN, head in the game. Uh, right, everyone, it's now time for our super fan feature. And keeping with our bat and ball double whammy, we have two super fans in this week. Very exciting. Now, joining me in the studio is IPL super fan DJ Chuck from the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast, which is a weekly Indian cricket podcast and has over 50 episodes. In the right, DJ? That's absolutely right, Jamie. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm very good, and thank you for having me on. And representing baseball fandom is the guy they call the baseball Brit, real name Joey Mellows. Hi, Joey. Hello, Jamie. Thanks for having me on, mate. Why do they call you the baseball Brit? I started watching baseball in Asia, where I've lived for the last five years, in Japan and South Korea. So I set up a Twitter handle, Baseball Brit, just to see if there was anyone else out there that was English that was interested in baseball, <laughs> and there wasn't. So you try to make friends via baseball. I love that. Yeah, that was it originally anyway. Apparently also you're in a hotel lobby. Is that right? Yeah, I'm in a hotel in central Japan and the walls are really thin. The rooms are really small. So I didn't want to wake up the guy next to me who I can hear snoring through the wall. Hey, I, do, I love your commitment to the podcast. That's what I love most. <laughs> That's what it's all about. All right, buddy. Well, listen, bearing in mind it's 3am in the morning where you are. It's only fair to start with you. So thank you so much for being here. Now you're in Japan watching the MLB season opener between Oakland Athletics and Seattle Mariners aren't you that's right yeah there's a two-game series the opening week well opening week officially of major league baseball season tell me about this crazy tour you're doing you're watching an mlb game at every stadium in the u.s this season isn't that right yeah um i've made a pretty big life decision a pretty poor life decision in some ways but um, i'm seeing 162 baseball games this season um that's the length of a normal baseball season in the usa across five different countries and i'll be going to all 30 major league ballparks and the purpose of the trip really is to try and educate and entertain people back in the uk and hopefully get them interested in baseball choosing a, a major league baseball team to support joey how are you paying for this um, I'm paying for this with my life savings, Jamie. So I've, uh, <laughs> I've worked as a teacher in boarding schools for the last 10 years since I left university. I've, um, I've always worked weekends with a rugby team, uh, boarding duty. So I've never paid rent, but I've always saved the rent that I should have paid. So I've got 10 years worth of rent essentially to enjoy and invest on this baseball mission to try and get more people into it. So you're spending all of your savings on a whim that you're going to get everyone excited about baseball. I love it. That's amazing. That's pretty much it. Dude, that's great. Listen, what is it about baseball that you like so much? I got into it in Japan. I saw my first game here only four years ago. You've got the atmosphere. You've got, you know, the beer girls. You've got the music. You've got all the different maths, the stats that are up on the board that you've got to try and work out. You've got this kind of battle on the field. Two gunslingers, one with a ball, one with a bat, facing off against each other. Um, and it's just, it's really intense, but it's also really relaxed when there's not action. It's very fun. I always thought that I would be a baseball player if I lived in America. I'm a bit of a gunslinger myself. So also, my team are the New York Yankees. I'm not a glory supporter. I just like New York. Who is your team and why? I lived in South Korea for the last four years in Seoul. So I, I support the LG Twins. Probably not what you're expecting, but they're one of three teams in Seoul. There's 10 teams in the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization. So I'm an LG Twins fan. When it comes to the USA, I'm more about just trying to show off each team and help other people choose one of the clubs to support. But if I had to say, probably the Kansas City Royals. But if you went to all of the Brits and said, this is my team, this is why you should like them, they'd probably be like, well, why? Why should Brits get interested in baseball? Why should they? Brits should get interested in baseball because they'll enjoy it. Uh, in this day and age, you know, people are always getting distracted with screens and, you know, phones and there's always something else that you could be doing. But baseball, it's, it's very relaxing. You're there for three hours. You go with your friends, your family, take the kids, whatever. You've got all sorts of things going on other than just the action on the field. You know, every day you'll see something that you've not seen before. You're basically the ultimate super fan in terms of baseball, aren't you? 
there's quite a few hardcore guys and girls back in the UK. In fact, there's some out here now, guys and girls from the Oakland Athletics UK group are here. Yes, but you're going to 162 games. That around, around yeah. to every stadium, I think that's... What does your family think of it? Well, my mum and dad were with me when I saw my first game out here in Japan. They came over to see me and we came over here on holiday. So they understand. I've been into it for the last four years, going around Japan, Korea, um, the USA. So they understand. And we've got Major League Baseball, London now. We've got two games, the Yankees and Red Sox playing June the 29th and June the 30th at the London Stadium. So it just seems like the perfect time really to try and get other people on board with uh, more media attention heading baseball's way in the UK. Hey, and listen, you know, like you said, you've worked hard for this. You've saved up the money. You can do what you want with it. I think it's great. I think following your passion is amazing. And you're now going to be a regular on ESPN's Caps Off show, which is incredible. Yeah, very exciting. Very exciting. Looking forward to the first episode dropping fairly soon. Oh, congrats, Jay. Hey, and also we've got DJ. Hey, DJ, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you, Jamie. Hi, Joey. How are you? DJ, lovely to hear from you, mate. I'm great. A bit tired, but uh, get to bed fairly soon. So, yeah, not too bad, mate. Look, DJ, I need to know from you, how do you even compare... To that, if you think you're a real fan, how does that even compare to Jerry? I'm not sure I can compare to going out to Japan to watch every game of the season. But I am a pretty big cricket fan. I've played it all my life, followed the IPL since it started. And um, we're really pumped for it, starting it this weekend. Have you been to 162 games in a year? I've been to about five, but I've watched (laughs) about 300 because there's so many of them. (laughs) Why is the IPL such a big deal globally? Well, the IPL is massive in India, obviously, but it's it's a mix of everything. You've got Bollywood, you've got drug busts, you've got people slapping each other, you've got fights, you've got superstars, you've got businessmen, and obviously you've got the cricket, which is of the highest quality. You've got superstars from all over the world coming there. You've got great catches, amazing batting, innovation in all kinds of new balls and things. You just sold it to me. <laughs> sold it to me in one big go. But also, okay, to anyone who doesn't know what a lot about the IPL or 2020, what are the main differences I kind of like compared to other forms of cricket? So I think the biggest difference is that a game lasts three hours, and that's the biggest selling point for the IPL, unlike test cricket or Same one-day as baseball. Cricket. Absolutely, and maybe the idea came from baseball, except we've only got two innings instead of nine. <laughs> So it's easier to keep track of in some ways. Okay, and out of all the teams, right, which teams are the most popular globally? So I'd say the two big teams are Chennai Super Kings and the Mumbai Indians. Chennai has just come back into the IPL last year after a two-year ban for all sorts of reasons. What were they banned for? Uh, there, there were issues of conflict of interest. There was some match-fixing issues and things like that. And so they were banned for two years. They were allowed to come back in last year. And ever since they've re-entered the IPL, they've just been huge. Yesterday, we had a tweet put out by the Chennai Super Kings official handle. And we saw three stands full of people screaming for a net session. It was just a net practice match. For a net session? Absolutely. And it's absolutely insane. It's like watching three stands full of people just screaming. DJ, tell me, which team do you support? So I support uh, the Delhi Capitals team, which is rebranded from the Delhi Daredevils last year. I'm obviously from Delhi, so that's the reason why I support them. They've come last last year, so that wasn't a good result for them. But I'm hoping the change of name brings a change in luck. Within the UK's Asian community, isn't it crazy? Everyone loves it, don't they? It's huge here. It's a social occasion when the IPL starts. The final is obviously watched by me and all my friends together. We're trying to get together this weekend to make sure we catch the first game of the IPL as well. So it's a global phenomenon. And the Asian community here, I think, is really taken to it. And the doubleheaders on the weekend are obviously the most popular games. DJ, do you have a cricket team? I do have a cricket team. Can I play for it? 
Yes, of course you can. We, we're Thank open you. for membership always. We're always looking for new players. So anyone listening to this podcast, drop us no, a line. We're the jesters. You can't just ask anyone. I thought I was special. You just now, <laughs> Joey, listen, don't listen to him. You can't join. It's only me. All right. DJ, how much do you know about baseball? A little bit. I want to watch a game when I go to New York. I haven't yet got a chance to do it. There was a film that came out a few years ago about two boys that were picked up from India to play baseball. So I watched that. That was interesting. And Joey, what about you? Are you a cricket fan? I like watching Test cricket, yeah, very much, with my dad. Um, I, I'm from Hampshire, so Hampshire County cricket, but I enjoy cricket. I haven't watched the IPL, but I'd love to. You just like the games that take like three hours. You can sit back, relax and eat a hot dog, don't you? Uh, a couple of beers as well, Jamie, but yeah, sounds great. <laughs> Only responsibly, though, Joey, I hope. <laughs> always, always. OK, but tell me, so this is the big one. OK, what is more exciting to watch, cricket or baseball? I'm going to ask you first, DJ. I assume you're going to say baseball. I haven't watched enough baseball to, to answer properly, but I mean, I love cricket and I'd, I'd go with cricket, especially T20 cricket with the fireworks and the cheerleaders and all the fun that comes around it and the glitz and glamour. I'd say T20 cricket is pretty exciting. OK, Joey, what about you? And I want a big reason why baseball, you think baseball is better than cricket. Baseball is better than cricket and it's better <laughs> than cricket, I think, because there isn't as much action. But when there is action, it takes more meaning, therefore. Um, so when someone does hit a home run, you only get one or two a game. It's a huge thing. People are really pumped about it. Whereas cricket, you know, you've got fours and sixes far more often, particularly T20. But also, like you said, Joey, you kind of like cricket as well. You watch like watching the test matches do, yeah. with your dad, which is super good. DJ, could you ever be persuaded to get into baseball? Absolutely. And as I said, I'm keen to watch a, a game in New York when I go there. I'm planning to go there this summer. So I will be looking to watch a, a New York Yankees game. I don't actually know any other teams. <laughs> I'm a big Yankees fan. Aaron Judge. Don't laugh, Joey. It's true. For many people, it's all about uh, kind of the sport they were brought up with, right? Would you agree that uh, you have to know all about the nuances of the sport, the history of the game, the great moments that you've experienced as a fan, all those kind of things to like it? Or can you just like it as a spectacle? So for me, actually, the answer is a lot of it's about nostalgia. It's about growing up watching the game in the 90s. A lot of our podcasts actually about relating things that are happening now with the Indian cricket team and the IPL back to things that were happening in the 90s. So it's been something we've kind of grown up with So and something we've known all our lives. For me, yes, it is all about the history. And you'll find lots of us out there just completely orgasming over cricket stats all the time. And <laughs> it's um, we, we call it a statgasm. <laughs> DJ, I think you're the only person ever to say you've been orgasming over cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, what about you? Is it about the nostalgia? Is it about the history? Is that why you love the sport? No, not really. I loved the sport when I turned up and didn't know anything about it. I just saw the game for the first time. It's it's very accessible, you know, for the everyday person that's never seen a baseball game. Go to the London series. You're going to enjoy it. But if you do want to, you know, go back in time, it's called America's pastime. It's steeped in nostalgia and history. There's so much to learn. If you want to go that way, there's all sorts of uh, you know, documentaries, baseball cards people collect from, you know, decades back that you can get into in order to explore these um, these old players. DJ, you're going to stick around for a little bit. But Joey, uh, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And the guy they call Baseball Brit, Joey, good luck with your 162 games. I can't wait to see what happens at the end of it when you've gone through all of them. Good luck, buddy. Cheers, Jamie. Hopefully see you in London for the uh, Yankees games. Yeah, Yankees-Red Sox. Bring it on, buddy. Right, it's quiz time with our studio guests, Andrew and DJ, taking me on for the right to be named Head in the Games Quizmaster of the Week. Voice? Yes, it's the Head in the Game quiz. Jamie, Andrew and DJ, are you ready? Round one. 
True or false? Jamie, San Francisco Giants pitcher Gaylord Perry was so bad at batting, his coach said, They'll put a man on the moon before he hits a home run. Years later, within an hour of the Apollo 11 landing, Gaylord hit his first ever home run. True. It is true. Aha! Andrew, in 2009, one of the cheerleaders for the Delhi Daredevils was the sister of cricketer Jacques Callis. When he was bowled out, she celebrated so exuberantly he got annoyed. I actually know this is true. That's his, his sister Janine. It is true. 100% so far, boys. DJ, pressure's on you. Brendan McCallum's 158 not out in the first ever IPL game in 2008 is still the highest ever score by an individual batsman. True or false? That's false. It's Chris Gale's 175. Very good. Ah. Brilliant. Jamie, following the tradition for famous people throwing ceremonial first pitch at big games, in 1997, Professor Stephen Hawking threw a ball with a robot arm designed to resemble a black hole. True, true or false? True. No, it's false. Oh. <laughs> the guy could barely move. <laughs> Round two. IPL team name or Japanese car model? Jamie. Capital. Team. It is a team. Andrew. Sunriser. It's also a team. Hyderabad. That is correct. DJ. Charger. It was a team. It's a deck and chargers. Right. <laughs> I'm just checking my... Uh, <laughs> Okay, we'll, we'll accept that. Uh, Jamie Harrier. Team. No, it's a car model. Goodness sake. Round three, multiple choice. Andrew, what was notable about one of Nolan Ryan's pitches for the California Angels in September 1974? A, it was the first pitch ever clocked at 100 miles an hour. B, it was the first pitch ever to go straight into the crowd. C, it was so bad, Ryan walked off and never played professional baseball again. I, I can believe it would be C, but I'm going to go A. You're correct. 100% record so far, Andrew. DJ, in 1923, Babe Ruth topped the table for A, number of home runs in the season, B, batting average for the season, C, strikeouts for the season. It's going to be either A or B, so I'm going to go with number of home runs in the season. It was a trick question. It's all three. Sorry, oh, old chap. wow. Jamie... <laughs> What was notable about Jackie Mitchell, a 17-year-old pitcher for the A.A. Chattanooga Lookouts, who in a 1931 exhibition game struck out Babe Ruth? A. She was female. B. He was blind. C. He did it facing away from the batters. He did it face away from the batters. No, it's A. She was female. Oh, what? And finally, Andrew, this could be the decider... The Guinness World Record for the most baseballs held in one hand, palm down, is A, 5, B, 7, C, 9. Come on, Sides are great for it, aren't they? So, hang on. Uh, Clock seven. is ticking. 7, 7. Is correct. <laughs> well done. Andrew is the winner. Oh. Yay. DJ is second, and Jamie, you are third. <sighs> Whatever. Uh, right, everyone, that's about all we got time for this week. Now, please subscribe, review, spread the love. And next week, Rachel will be back to join me for our episode on WrestleMania. Until then, keep your head in the game. ESPN, head in the game. Uh, hey, Rachel, I uh, just want to say um, it's me, it's me, Jamie, uh, Jamie, Jamie Lang, um, your co-host. The show went really well. It was great. Um... Uh, uh, you, you were, you were missed. Um, you, you probably have no signal or my phone's on private number. I don't know, don't know which one, why you didn't pick up, but, um, uh, you left your scarf here, by the way. Uh, I knew it was yours because it, uh, smelt of 
Diesel. Uh, anyway, um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Uh, call me back. Bye. Oh, oh voice. Uh, hey, voice. Do you uh, fancy a uh, drink? Oh, hello, Jamie. No, I don't think so. Oh. Right.